Welcome to Women Read Scripture. I'm Mariana Richardson. And I'm Drew Huffaker. Today we're going to be talking about 1 Nephi, chapters 16 to 22. As we talk about this, we're going to talk about a lot of challenges, a lot of things that happened to both Lehi, Nephi, Laman, and Lemuel, the whole family, Ishmael as well. And as we talk about this, sometimes it's hard to think about how this has to do with my family now because they lived so long ago, and some of the problems are not necessarily problems that we would be facing in our life. But I'm hoping that through our discussion today, that we'll be able to see how all of these challenges are very similar to things that we have in our life today. One of those common threads between the challenges they had in those days and what we face is that the Lord is always nearby. He's always there wanting to bless us if we will turn to him and ask for his help. So I love that common thread that we'll see between their day and our day today. Well, let's start looking at the challenges. I know. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to talk about challenges. And so today might be a little challenging. Um, as we first talk about, we're going to talk about the bow, the bow story. And this is an interesting challenge in that Nephi is kind of the victim in this one. Um, basically, he has this wonderful steel bow that the whole family, everybody relies on for their food. And so Nephi's going out, and he must have been a very good archer, but through an accident, he breaks the bow. Mm -hmm. And everybody's upset because that was the best bow they had. And the other bows lost their their spring, I guess, and I'm not really a bowman, so <laughs> I don't completely understand it. But, and, you know, basically they're unable to get food. And so at this point, everybody's kind of mad at Nephi, you know, kind of like, all right, Nephi, how could you break our bow? But that anger turns to God. And they begin to murmur and complain to God about their circumstances because they're hungry, they're hangry, but they're hangry <laughs> at all the wrong people. And it's interesting as we look at this story because even Lehi begins to complain. So it's not just a Laman and Lemuel story this time. Instead, Lehi also begins to complain. And Nephi, I'm sure, is feeling like it was an accident. I didn't mean to. It was not intentional. And so what he does is he goes and he gets some wood and he carves a bow. And then he gets some straight sticks and he makes some arrows. And then he goes to Lehi. And this is the interesting part where he goes to Lehi, who had been complaining, probably complaining to Nephi and also complaining to God. And if we look at verse 25, and it came to pass that the voice of the Lord came unto my father, and he was truly chastened because of his murmuring against the Lord, insomuch that he was brought down into the depths of sorrow. But Nephi still saw Lehi as the spiritual leader of his family, and he also sought direction from him. And Nephi, after getting the direction that he needed, and some of this direction we're going to be talking about later in our discussion, but he goes out and he does find food for his family. And then if we go to 31 and 32, it says, And it came to pass that I did slay wild beasts insomuch that I did obtain food for our families. And it came to pass that I did return to our tents, bearing the beasts which I had slain. And now when they beheld that I had obtained food, 
how great was their joy. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that because they were so happy. I'm sure they were so hungry. And it came to pass that they did humble themselves before the Lord and did give thanks unto him. So how do you feel when something breaks by accident that's necessary for your family? Have you ever had that experience? Yes, I bet we've all had a car breakdown or something that we relied on. The the part of the story that I love is they all complained except Nephi. And he saw the problem and he didn't just sit around waiting for the Lord to solve it. He he immediately went out, gathered what he needed to try to make a new bow. And I think when we face challenges, it's important that we're proactive, that we do as much as we can to solve the problem. And then we ask for the Lord's blessing after we've done all that we can. We can't just sit and wait for the answers and the fixes to our challenges to happen. So yes, um, same thing if, if, if a, my car broke down on the side of the highway, right? And I needed to go pick up my children from school. Um, you could get, you could get upset and, you know, how could the Lord have this happen to yes, me? Yes, yes, and just sit in my car. But if I actually get on the phone or try to get help and try to solve it and ask Heavenly Father, please bless it, somebody will be able to help me. We need to be proactive in helping to solve those challenges as well. The other part, too, that I think is interesting in this story is this idea of it was an accident. You know, Nephi didn't try to make this happen. He didn't try to break the bow. And sometimes we, you know, if there's an accident and it can be a really terrible accident that happens in your family. I think of teenage drivers, sometimes really terrible accidents happen and it is just an accident. And yet do we as a family start getting on the case of that person that had the accident or do we all work together to help fix that accident as a family? And so I think sometimes, too, we can learn from that as well. Um, Nephi had a hard time in terms of he felt like he had to fix the problem, but it was an accident. I mean, I can (laughs) see how you sometimes feel like, well, why does it have to be on me? I didn't mean to. I know. And yet he still took responsibility Mm -hmm. for the problem, which I think is also such a wonderful Nephi thing to do. He is such, he's such a hero to all of us. He is, he is such, such an such example. example. That's right. So another um, challenge that they have in the wilderness is Ishmael passes away. And just think about that. So Lehi's family had gone out into the wilderness, then they realized they needed to have wives. So they went back and had Ishmael's family join them. And they have been intertwined now with Nephi's family, but it would be hard to have your father pass away because although they have these new relationships, he was the foundation in their family, just like Lehi was Mm -hmm. in Nephi's family. And so we have to, you think about that. When somebody passes away, we can turn to the Lord and be angry and say, this should have never happened if we would have done this or that or the other Maybe he would still be here today, but we can't, we can't live that way. Um, and so they were complaining. Everybody was saying we should have just stayed in Jerusalem, the same thing that they always complain about. But in 39, um, we see what happens. After, after all of them had been complaining and wishing that they had been back in Jerusalem, 
the voice of the Lord came and did speak many words unto them and did chasten them exceedingly. And after they were chastened by the voice of the Lord, they did turn away their anger and did repent of their sins, insomuch that the Lord did bless us again with food that we did not perish. So every time they turn away, um, they have the consequences of turning away from God. And I think in our own lives, we need to remember that as well, that if we can just keep our focus on the Lord, that we, he will always be there to quickly help us and to come running to our aid. So that's a wonder, another wonderful story that we can learn from these challenges. Well, another part of this story that I think is interesting is the fact that they weren't just angry about, they, they wanted to murder. I mean, they were ready to kill. They wanted to kill Lehi. They wanted to kill Nephi. I mean, they were so upset and blaming Nephi and Lehi for the death of their beloved father and, you know, and husband that basically they wanted to, to murder because of it. Now, this doesn't sound like the first time they wanted to kill because no. they were so frustrated. No. <laughs> and, and that goes to this whole idea of blaming. And yes. so they were, they wanted to get out their anger because they did blame Lehi and Nephi for all of these challenges that they were going through. And I think they were thinking, well, if we just kill them, it will take away the pain. And I think that one of the things that we can also learn, we do all feel pain and grief when somebody very close to us, a loved one or a family member dies. Mm -hmm. But what do we do with that grief? You know, do we blame other people? Do we blame circumstance? Do we get so angry yeah. that we want to kill somebody? Well, we can become bitter or we can turn to the Lord, right? And that's exactly what hopefully this finally happened. I mean, when we see the end of the story, it looks like they finally understood that. But it did take them some time to yes. be able to work through their grief. And part of that working through wasn't very positive. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The next story that we have is this idea of building a boat. Now, they had been, like I said, in the wilderness for quite a while. It's not like they this was happening really fast. They had been suffering and having all these challenges for, we know it says eight years they'd been in the wilderness. And Nephi at this point says that he, and I just love this, where Nephi felt like when they were in Bountiful, the Lord came to him and said, arise and go to the mountain. And immediately he arose and went up. And for me, right there, we gained the understanding of how Nephi handled challenges and things that the Lord asked him to do. And then it came to pass that the Lord said unto him, thou shalt construct a ship after the manner which I will show you that I may carry the people across these waters. And now at this point, I would be saying, Lord, I have no idea how to build a ship. <laughs> you know, I, I don't have the skills. There's no way. Maybe Layman and Lemuel would do a lot better job. Um, but his question, the, the question he asked was very different. Instead, he said, Lord, whither shall I go that I may find ore to molten that I may make tools to construct a ship after the manner which thou hast shown me? So his answer was, give me the tools and I'll go do it. And what a powerful example when the Lord asks us to do something that we feel 
inadequate. We don't have the tools. We don't have the way. Instead, if we said, nope, I can't do it. Instead, if we said, Lord, give me the tools and I'll go do it. What a great example. Have you ever had that in your life? Yes. Have you ever had a a calling come to you that you felt like, I just don't know what I'm doing. There's so many other people that would be better at doing this than me. But somehow the Lord, if we're willing and we just accept the calling that he makes a way for us to be able to do our very best and to serve him. Oh, definitely. We just have to have that. Let's go and do it. Let's go and do it. Definitely. The building of the ship continues and it's not a pleasant experience. (laughs) No, it isn't. It is not a pleasant experience because can you imagine the timbers alone carrying those? So heavy. Yes. And Nephi couldn't do it alone. No, he could not do it alone. But his brothers were making fun of him. You do not know how to build a ship. And you're just visionary like our dad. And you don't know what you're doing. We are not going to help you. And we see in 1 Nephi 17, 18, it says, And thus my brethren did complain against me and were desirous that they might not labor. For they did not believe that I could build a ship, neither would they believe that I was instructed of the Lord? So here he's commanded to do it. Lehi is getting older in years. It's going to be hard for him to do it. Um, I'm not sure where the other sons of Ishmael were or anyone else, but Laman and Lemuel were out of, they just checked out. They were not going to do this. Nephi knew he was not going to be able to accomplish this task without them. And so if we go to 1 Nephi chapter 17, verses 47 through 48, he, um, it, it picks up where Nephi had just talked to his brothers and saying, don't you remember the Lord has blessed us? And every time he asks us to do something that he's there to help us. And he's in 47, he says, behold, my soul is rent with anguish because of you and my heart is pained. I fear lest ye shall be cast off forever. Behold, I am full of the spirit inasmuch as my frame has no strength. So he was just to the end. He was so frustrated. What am I going to do? These guys are so stubborn. They just won't remember what the Lord has done for them. And then in 48, it says, And now it came to pass that when I had spoken these words, they were angry with me. And were desirous to throw me into the depths of the sea. And as they came forth to lay their hands upon me, I spake unto them, saying, In the name of the Almighty God, I command you that ye touch me not. For I am filled with the power of God, even unto the consuming of my flesh. And whoso shall lay his hands upon me shall wither even as a dry reed. And he shall be as not before the power of God, for God shall smite him. And then in 49, it says, And it came to pass that I, Nephi, said unto them, They should murmur no more against their father, neither should they withhold their labor from me. So he was filled with the Spirit, and there was no denying that God was with them. And they were so afraid, they said, Okay, we'll do it. And they also were commanded not to complain against their father. I thought it was interesting. He didn't say, I don't want you murmuring against me anymore. He was pointing that toward his father. So in the end, the Lord will come through. And sometimes he has to shake us up a little bit. (laughs) 
Well, and he shocked them. I mean, he did a <laughs> yes. physical shocking at this point. So there was even a physical yes. part to this that yes. happened. Yes. That's but I right. think it is also interesting how Laman and Lemuel, they are just so angry and they keep on thinking, if I can just kill Nephi, my life will be better. And I kept on thinking about how, I mean, we probably won't have those same murderous feelings, but we might also think, well, if this person would just get out of my life, you know, if I could just change this about my life, my life would be so much better. Some people think, well, if I can just get the church out of my life, my life will be so much better. And yet the one thing that the Lord is trying to teach them is that's not the problem. You know, Nephi's not their problem. Nephi's really trying to help them. But it's it's their attitude and this feeling of they have no faith and they have no hope. And they also really do not believe that Nephi can do it. Absolutely. Another thing that's interesting to think about is they had wandered in the wilderness for so long and they had finally come to the land of Bountiful that was had all the food and everything they would ever want, this lush, beautiful place. And now they're told to build a ship and leave. Wouldn't that be hard? We finally bought our house. We finally have established our lives. Things are comfortable. And now the Lord's prodding us to get out of our comfort zone again. So you could tell that they might be a little hesitant to want to move or to help. They want to stay right where they are. And I think it's the same thing with the Lord. Sometimes he needs us to move. So he'll prepare even a better place for us or needs us in a different part of his vineyard. And we have to trust and just do whatever he asks us to do, even though at times it may not make sense to us. Well, and this is the second time. I mean, they left Jerusalem. They came to Bountiful and they were like, okay, phew, we're here. We're safe. Yeah. Now we have to go again. And I think that also sometimes happens in our lives (laughs) where the Lord will ask us multiple times and we have to be willing multiple times to go and do that. And that's really hard. And sometimes I worry when our lives are comfortable, that what is the next thing that's coming? <laughs> so that's we true. need to, we just need to know, enjoy it for the little season that we have it because we're going to have another challenge or we'll be called to do something else because we know that we don't progress if we're sitting still and idle. We have to be moving and the Lord, if we let him direct us, in the ways that we move, then we know we're on his team and on his side and things will be well in the end. (laughs) So they did it. They built the ship and now they're on the ship. And what happens to them while they're on the ship? Craziness. Craziness. (laughs) So yes, craziness. So they're finally, well, they finally admitted, Layman and Lemuel finally admitted that the ship was Kind of Pretty nice. Good. They right. did a good they were job. Surprised. And they were happy and they were getting on the boat and, you know, probably not complaining too much at this point because they thought, wow, he really did this and he pulled it off. So once they're on the boat for many days, uh, Layman and Lemuel and some of them decide they want to make merry. And they're singing and dancing. And that's not the part I think that got them into trouble. The part that was troublesome was they started to be rude and probably inappropriate. And Lehi, uh, sorry, Nephi was getting worried that the Lord may become angry with them. We can read about this in 1 Nephi 18.8. And it says, And it came to pass that after we had gone down into the ship and had taken with us 
our provisions and the things which had been commanded us, we did put forth into the sea and were driven forth before the winds toward the promised land. And then in 11, and it came to pass that Laman and Lemuel did take me. Okay, so this is the part right after Nephi had said, you guys, <laughs> we have to stop being rude. We, we're forgetting that God is the one that's helped us. And he may become offended and angry, and we may die if we don't have his tender mercies with us as we're moving across these waters. And in 11, it says, And it came to pass that Laman and Lemuel did take me and bind me with cords, and they did treat me with much harshness. Nevertheless, the Lord did suffer it that he might show forth his power. That is a key thing that we need to remember when we're in times of trouble and hardship, that sometimes the Lord suffers it, that he can show forth his power in our lives. I think of people who have had serious illness, or they've lost a job, or they've had some really serious trial in their life, and then they see the blessings of the Lord come to them with healing or with Miracle after miracle, helping to restore what was lost. And that's how we can see the Lord's hand in our life is when we're in those trials and we can see him pulling through for us. So Nephi is tied and it's stormy. There's wild storms and rain and wind. Everything's going for four days. And in this time, what do you think Nephi was doing? Well, I'm sure that Nephi's praying. We know that he's praying. But also the thing that's interesting to me is that Nephi is also never, uh, it's amazing to me, they try to kill him over and over and over again. <laughs> and yet Nephi still loves his brothers. He's concerned about them. He's concerned about their safety. He's concerned about what's going to happen to them. That would be hard. <laughs> and that would be so hard. So he's worried about their safety. And he says, Look, unbind me. If you unbind me, we'll be safe. And so he's still worried about their safety. He's thinking about them yes. rather than himself, which for me is pretty amazing. It is. Everything that's been happening with Nephi. Absolutely. And in verse 16, we see exactly what you're saying is true. Nephi says, nevertheless, while he's all bound in suffering, I did look unto my God and I did praise him all the day long. And I did not murmur against the Lord because of mine afflictions, which is amazing. And so eventually the brothers realize they're going to die if they don't free him and have the Lord's help again. Because they're seeing that the ball, the liahona is not working. Nothing's working. They're going to die. And in 21, we see that it reads, And it came to pass after they had loosed me. Behold, I took the compass, and it did work hither, whither I desired it. And it came to pass that I prayed unto the Lord, and after I prayed, the winds did cease, and the storm did cease, and there was a great calm. Don't we find when we also have turbulence in our life, um, when we pray unto the Lord, we can gain that calm and that peace, and that things, He can resolve those issues in our life. And I love that he praised him, gave gratitude in the middle of his tribulation. And then in the end, he was able to have that peace. And then the Lord could restore what they had been, uh, what they had lost. 
Well, and I think it's so powerful. You you brought up the Liahona. And I do want to talk just for a moment about the Liahona because that goes back to the, the bow story that we were talking <laughs> about before. Because we learned from that story that basically the Liahona only worked when they had faith and diligence. Yes. And so we've talked about all of these challenges. And now we want to talk just for a moment about the right way and the wrong way. We kind of talked about it in terms of Nephi and Laman and Lemuel, but the Lord has some very specific instructions about what we must look to doing in terms of making through challenges. And the first one is this idea of making sure that we have faith and diligence, especially when we're looking to, you know, they had a Liahona, but what do you think we have instead of a Liahona? When it's very interesting. So if we look um, in the scriptures, we, of course, they learned that it only works by faith and diligence, like you said. And it had it had pointers mm-hmm. that would show them the way to go. And it would have messages that would come to them. And I think of how do we know in our own life the way to go? And how do we receive revelation or words from the Lord that teach us what we should do? And it's definitely, to me, the Holy Ghost. The promptings of the Holy Ghost are kind of our liahona that guide us and that helps us to have answers and words given to us from time to time. The Holy Ghost only works in our lives when we have faith and when we heed the promptings of the Spirit. And I would like to also add the prophet's words, too. Yes. So, uh, you know, we can hold on to those prophet's words. And that goes back to how Nephi would go back to Lehi because Lehi was their prophet. He was the one that had the keys Mm -hmm. for their family. And so we too can look to our prophet to help us to make those decisions as well. Yes, I love that. Both of those things can point us on our way. And we have to be faithful and have diligence in following. We have to be faithful. (laughs) Now, there's a wonderful talk that was given by Anthony Perkins Remember Thy Suffering Saints, where he said, regardless of where you live, physical or emotional suffering from a variety of trials and mortal weaknesses has been, is now, or will someday be a part of your life. Certainly, hope is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and hope can also be a part of your life. Keeping covenants unlocks the power of Jesus Christ's atoning sacrifice to provide strength and even joy to you who suffer. For me, that's pretty powerful to find joy. (laughs) And we have another story in the Book of Mormon that we'll be reading about in a little while, Mosiah 24, when Alma and his people are under a lot of stress and problems. And I love the, the phrase there where it says, cheerfully submit. And so this idea of having joy and cheerfully submit what are your thoughts on that? Can we really <laughs> cheerfully submit to these challenges that happen in our lives? It is difficult, isn't it? Oh, how do so you, hard. How do you find joy in the middle of your oh. challenges, really? Well, I, I think the number one is the Lord. I mean, having that hope and that feeling that love, which we talked about through the Holy Ghost and, and the words of the Lord. I do have one other idea, too. And that is also that we find the small and simple things 
in our lives. As a matter of fact, right after talking about the faith and diligence, basically, he also talks, he says this, he said, and there was also written upon them a new writing, which was plain to be read, which should give us understanding concerning the ways of the Lord. And it was written and changed from time to time, according to the faith and diligence, which we gave it. And thus we see that by small means, the Lord can bring about great things. So I do think that even during challenges, there are small things that can help us to be cheerful and find joy. And some of those small things can be prayer. Some of those small things can be singing hymns. Some of those small things can be giving a hug to someone who needs it, showing love, serving. All of those can help us be cheerful, even when we are suffering. And we can find joy in the tender mercies other people offer us. If it's a friend calling on us, or like you said, somebody coming to give us a hug or bring a meal, or you can see the kindnesses that other have others have around you and showing compassion. So that can bring peace and comfort to your heart too. Um, when we're thinking about small and simple things, we have to remember too that on the ball, on the Liahona, they were not given the whole path. They didn't know the whole way to the promised land or where they were going. They were given direction for that day. And so I think small and simple things, if we follow just the things that we're asked to do each day, eventually we, he leads us along to where we should be. Um, there's an example of this that Boyd K. Packer gave us. And he said that shortly after I was called as a general authority, I went to Elder Harold B. Lee for counsel. He listened very carefully to my problem and suggests that I see President David O. McKay. President McKay counseled me as to the direction I should go. I was very willing to be obedient, but saw no way possible for me to do as he counseled me to do. I returned back to Elder Lee and told him that I saw no way to move forward in the direction I was counseled to go. He said, the trouble with you is you want to see the end from the beginning. I replied that I'd like to see at least a step or two, and then came a lesson of a lifetime. You must learn to walk to the edge of the light, and then a few steps into the darkness. Then the light will appear and show the way before you. Then he quoted these 18 words from the Book of Mormon. Dispute not because ye see not. For you receive no witness until after the trial of your faith. And isn't that so true? It's not we want to see one step or two. We have to go to the very edge and not know the next thing, but be willing to still step and then the light will go forward a little bit more. We have to just keep moving in that direction. And that's powerful. But that is so hard. I, I, it it's is. powerful, but it is so hard to just go into the darkness, but have that faith, that hope. And do it joyfully and cheerfully. <laughs> wow. I mean, I think we can follow Nephi's example, but we also have to acknowledge that we need to help each other. Yes. And sometimes going into that darkness means I have two friends on either side <laughs> kind of helping me. Holding helping you me. along the way. <laughs> That's right. And I definitely need that sometimes too. We all do. Thank goodness. So the other thing that happens in these wonderful verses is... Um, this understanding that Christ heals that which is broken. Amy Wright 
had a wonderful talk about this. And she said, our Savior Jesus Christ will help us successfully navigate the things in our lives that are broken. No matter our age, he can heal broken relationships with God, broken relationships with others, and broken parts of ourselves. As we turn to the Savior, as we align our hearts and minds with him, as we repent, he comes to us with healing in his wings. It's okay. How do you think about this fixing of the broken? I mean, all of us are broken in some way. All of us have things that we need to fix, whether it is sin, whether it is broken relationships, whether it is things that are broken within ourselves. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I I love that she brought it up in three different categories, that sometimes we're broken with our relationship to God. And that is through sin, I think. Sometimes I think it could even go as far as depression. When we become so focused inward that we forget to reach outward and we feel like he's not going to answer us anyway. Sometimes it's a distortion in our own minds um, that needs to be healed and fixed. But he is always there to help us in that way, to help us. He is always there with his arms outstretched and we have to reach to him. He can't force himself on us. We have to choose him. And when we have broken relationships, those can be in our families. A lot of times relationships, they just ebb and flow. Sometimes we feel really close and loving and um, very, very close to members of our family. And sometimes we feel distant. And I think it's a constant reaching out and trying to heal and to be willing to forgive is a big, huge part of healing relationships. And then sometimes we're just broken inside. Like we said, sometimes we have mental health issues. Maybe we've had horrendous things happen to us in our own lives as victims or as, you know, it, some things just happen to us. Well, it can be accidents. Like it we could about be before, accidents, yes. That, that causes physical or, or spiritual or mental pain. That's right. And he's there to help us in every one of those aspects of our lives with his, our relationship with him, with our relationship with others, and the things within ourselves that are broken. He is there willing and wanting to heal us. Well, the last few chapters of this is basically Nephi teaching us through the words of Isaiah, these very principles that we've been talking about. Matter of fact, um, one of the, the wonderful things, I love the Isaiah chapters. Oftentimes, people, as we go into Second Nephi, there's going to be a lot of them, and we're going to see a lot more Isaiah as we move forward. But one of the things that I enjoyed doing was I took my King James Version of the Bible, and I took my Book of Mormon, and I just went through and I circled all the changes, all the differences. And I was amazed to look through to see how many little things helped me understand more what Isaiah was trying to say through this translation of Isaiah. And so I just wanted to share with one, if we go to chapter 20, verse 1, we have this one little phrase that's added when it says, Hearken and hear this, O house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel and are come forth out of the waters of Judah or out of the waters of baptism. Right there, we have that additional little note that helps us understand what it is that Waters of Judah stands for, Waters of Baptism. So I, I challenge families to maybe have that as a 
fun activity as they look through these Isaiah chapters to look at the differences between their King James Version of Isaiah and the Book of Mormon and see what changes that makes to the meanings. Absolutely. I think that's wonderful. We know that the Savior loves the words of Isaiah. He points us to the words of Isaiah. And in 1 Nephi 19.23, Nephi says, you know, he has taught them many things. He talks about from the books of Moses, you know, what did he do to Moses? But he said in 23, and I did read many things unto them, which were written in the books of Moses, but that I might more fully persuade them to believe in the Lord, their Redeemer. I did read unto them that which was written by the prophet Isaiah. (laughs) And there is a reason. And so many of us, Think We start reading, we think, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to hit Isaiah and just read through it. But we think in our mind, we're not going to understand it. We're just going to read it. And like you said, it helps to do some cross-referencing between different translations and different commentary and be prayerful and and look at it with new eyes um, because we know that it points to the Savior. It's interesting to me that Nephi picked these two chapters of Isaiah, these words of Isaiah, after all, he talked about all these challenges. And if you look at it, especially if you just read the headings of 20 and 21, it says, the Lord reveals his purposes to Israel. They have been chosen in the furnace of affliction and are to go forth from Babylon. So this is also challenges, 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 and yet the Lord is going to be on their side. If you go to chapter 21, Messiah shall be a light to the Gentiles and shall free the prisoners. Israel shall be gathered with power in the last days. Kings shall be their nursing fathers. Chapter 22 actually is Nephi's commentary about those two Isaiah chapters. And I love the very end of his commentary as he's talking about this. Because if you go to the the end of chapter 22, he says over and over again, the righteous need not fear. If you look on verse 17, the righteous need not fear. Verse 19, for behold, the righteous shall not perish. Verse 22, and the righteous need not fear, for they are those who shall not be confounded. But it is the kingdom of the devil which shall be built up among the children of men whose kingdom is established among them, which are in the flesh. He goes on and on talking about how through our hope in Christ, just like you were saying, that we need not fear. And we see that in Nephi. He did not fear his brothers that constantly tried (laughs) to kill him. Instead, he had that hope that he would be saved by the Lord, physically, but also spiritually. And he did it joyfully. (laughs) which is pretty amazing and he had seen that the lord was there for him over and And over over and over and he knew he could trust him and every time the lord shows up he's there for him and he knows that the lord will always be there for him i love that well as we conclude today we give you an invitation we hope that you will see the lord's hand in your own life as you go through the challenges that all of us face every day Sisters, we love you, we think you're wonderful, and we hope to see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. 